And good evening. We want to welcome you to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM and uh, some of the other platforms that we're doing Sunshine USA on. Uh, it is so great to have you tuned in. My name is Warren Landis and I'll be your host and Bible study <laughs> teacher here on this program as usual. And um, it is so wonderful and great to have you tuned in as usual. Uh, anyway, uh, we're involved in a study of God's Word, and currently we're going through uh, the book of Romans. Now, I don't need to tell you that the book of Romans is a very rich book, uh, full of Bible doctrine, and um, it is full of all kinds of deep Bible teaching. Uh, I would not necessarily recommend uh, the book of Romans for a new Christian. Um, I would instead uh, point them to uh, books in the Bible that are a little less hard to understand than the book of Romans. But there is nonetheless some very deep stuff here. And we also note that Paul is the principal writer of Romans. Now, you know, Paul was a very interesting man. He was a Jew. But even though he was a Jew, he was used by God largely to reach the Gentile world of his day with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I think, personally, that was probably a good call on, on God's part because, let's face it, the Jews were not exactly Paul's most receptive audience because of the fact they looked at Paul with suspicion. Uh, Paul, for many years, persecuted Christians and had them put into jail and had them uh, killed. And they felt like Paul just wanted to infiltrate the uh, Christian movement so that he could uh, find out where the Christians were so he would have more Christians to persecute. In other words, they never really fully bought into Paul's apostleship or, for that matter, his ministry. And so God decided to use Paul in an area where he was much more received, and that was among the Gentiles. And, you know, usually God will use us in that area where you and I are most familiar and are perhaps most gifted to reach. You know, for example, someone who's more of an academic person might be used of the Lord to reach uh, students for Christ and intellectuals for Christ because they're more gifted to do that. You have some that are businessmen that might be more gifted to reach those in the business community with the gospel of Christ. And, you know, it's interesting, those who are more educated and those that are wealthier are actually harder to reach in many cases than those who are poorer and less educated. And so God knows what he's doing when he calls a certain person to minister to a certain type of people. Now, it's true that the world is really our mission field. 
but there might be parts of that world were more gifted at reaching than others. Amen. So we thank God for that. Now one of the things I want to do tonight, before we get into chapter 7, now chapter 7 is going to be the new chapter that we cover tonight, but one of the things we covered in chapter 5, just to sort of review a little bit what we covered yesterday, is the fact that through the gospel, we have peace. We have peace through faith. And we noted that the world can't give you the kind of peace that God can give you. We also took note of the fact that we can rejoice in our sufferings. We can rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character pers uh, produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. And you see, that's a wonderful thing, by the way, that the Lord has done for us. He's given us his precious Holy Spirit to comfort us, to empower us, to equip us, and to guide us. It's a wonderful thing that the Lord has given us. I think sometimes we as Baptists especially tend to be uh, almost afraid of the Holy Spirit. And um, <laughs> we almost tend to be afraid of the Holy Spirit because of the fact that we don't know what we would do if the Holy Spirit ever got charge of us. Amen? Amen. But we shouldn't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't be um, uh, reluctant to do what the Holy Spirit bids us to do. And then we talked about the ultimate sacrifice of Christ. He died on the cross for us. In fact, the Bible says that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And he became the once for all sacrifice that we needed. You see, in the Old Testament times, the Old Testament believers found it necessary to um, get atonement every year. Every year they had an annual day of atonement. And they would go through a certain ritual that would produce atonement for one year. And then the following year, they had to do it all over again. And the next year, they had to do it all over again. But Christ, you see, gave us that one time for a lifetime atonement. That's why when I got saved back in 1969, I don't have to get saved again. Because the Lord gave me one salvation for a lifetime. Now, we Baptists typically refer to this, by the way, as eternal security. And eternal security is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing because of the fact that if you didn't have eternal security, then every time you committed a sin, you would lose your salvation. And then you have to worry about what would happen if you sinned 
and then died before you could ask God for forgiveness, then you could still end up in hell. But once I got saved, I got eternal security, knowing that when I die, I have a home waiting for me in heaven. And while the Lord never likes it when we sin, the Lord makes it very clear that he loves us so much and he gave us eternal life and one of these days we're going to see him in heaven now we pointed out that by one man Adam sin entered into the world from that point on man had a sin nature but through Christ we find that grace entered into the world. Christ gives us abundant pardon, abundant grace. And one of the big things that we harped on last night was the fact that God's grace is so much greater than any sin that you could commit. God's grace is so much greater than any sin that you could commit. I mean, seriously. I mean, you might say, well, Warren, you don't know my, me. You don't know my life. You don't know how many sins I've committed. You don't know how bad those sins are. And that's true, I don't. But no matter how much sin you have committed, I can assure you that the grace of God is so much bigger than any sin that you could commit. Then Paul goes on to say, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may increase? Paul says, Certainly not. As Paul said it, God forbid. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? In other words, as a sinner, you're never going to be comfortable living a life of sin. God has forgiven you, and you're free from the penalty of the sin. But the fact of the matter is, we as Christians could never be happy living in sin. Now, if you can be happy living in sin, the Bible maintains there is something wrong with you. The Bible says there is something wrong with you. Amen. In fact, if you're comfortable living in sin, I would question whether or not you've ever been saved. Whether or not you've ever come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so we find that indeed and in fact, grace is so much greater than any sin that we can possibly commit. Now, um, we also talked a little bit last night about the wages of sin. Now, you know, some people, when you, when you ask them about their sin or confront them maybe about a particular sin they have committed, their response might be, well, it doesn't really matter, I'm forgiven, I'm under grace, I'm not under law. 
Now, basically, that's true. But the Lord still doesn't like it when we sin. And when we sin, there's still a price that has to be paid for that sin. Now, Paul describes some people as being slaves to sin. Being slaves to sin. Being servants of sin. And by the way, that should never describe us as Christians. Yes, we're going to sin. Yes, we're going to mess up. But no, we're not going to enjoy it. Now, I want us to look at the very last verse in Romans chapter 6. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, one thing this verse does, it makes it very clear that salvation is a gift. It's available to us absolutely free. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. It's a free gift. Now, bearing in mind, if you had to pay for it in any way, it would not be a gift. It would be a purchase. But the Bible says it's the free gift of God. Then we also know that the wages of sin is death. Now, there's two cost levels of sin. Now, for the unbeliever sin will ultimately result in the unbeliever spending eternity in a terrible awful place that the Bible calls hell and those in hell will ultimately be cast forever and ever into the lake of fire and that's a terrible thing that is a horrible thing but now for the Christian who sins there's a price to be paid there too for example, as a Christian, if you're living in sin, it hinders God's ability to answer your prayers. It hinders the effectiveness of your testimony. And it really, frankly, keeps you from being happy in the Lord. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that is basically a fairly short 15-minute wrap-up of what we did yesterday on the program. Now, we come to Romans chapter 7. And the big subheading in our Bible study for tonight is being released from the law. Being released from the law. Paul says in chapter 7, verse 1, Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. He says, for instance, a married woman is bound by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she is joined 
to another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and is not an adulteress even though she marries another man. So Paul is saying here that as Christians, we have been released from the law. Now, the law actually has a divine purpose. One of the divine purposes that the law has is it lets us know that we are indeed and in fact sinners. But the good news is we are sinners saved by grace, those of us that are Christians. Amen. We have been released from the law. Now, obviously in the Old Testament when they broke the law, there were penalties for breaking the law. And there were certain things they had to do because of their sin. We, on the other hand, as Christians know that we are free from the law. Someone was asking me the other day if it was wrong for a Christian to have a job where they worked on Sunday. Now, this was a very big question for this particular person to be asking. And the reason why is because of the fact that they had a job where they had to work on Sunday. If they didn't agree to work on Sunday, they would lose their job. But now this person also was a person who loved the Lord very much. Absolutely, they loved the Lord very, very much. And uh, they didn't want to, uh, you know, lose their salvation. Of course, now I, I explained to them, I said, you know, as a Baptist, I teach and preach eternal security. So if you're saved, you're certainly not going to lose your salvation over this issue. But the truth of the matter is, we as Gentile believers, we have been liberated from the law. And therefore, we are no longer under the law that says, remember that you're not supposed to work more than six days a week. And then, of course, it talks about the Sabbath day. Now, of course, one thing I have to point out here, and this may come as a shocker to some of you, but Sunday is not the Sabbath day. Sunday is not the Sabbath day. It is Saturday. So if I were really serious about not working on the Sabbath, I would refrain from working on Saturday as opposed to Sunday. But now for the person who has a job where they have to work on Sunday, I would say you're no longer under the law that says you can't work on Sunday. Now I think as a very practical matter, we should still desire to go to church just as often as we possibly can. I mean, that is something that you and I should always desire to do. Going to church just as often as we possibly can. And I think we shouldn't work on Sunday 
unless there's just no way we could get out of it. But for us as Gentile believers, we're not legally bound to it. And to be honest with you, I don't really consider Jewish believers bound to it anymore either. Because we're now under grace and not under law. Now, let me tell you something interesting, though, about the law of the Sabbath. One of the things that Jesus taught his disciples is the fact that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, that law was on the books, you might say, for our benefit, primarily. You see, the fact of the matter is, we were not designed to work six days a week. You and I were not designed to work six days a week. I mean, we really weren't designed to work six days a week. I mean, pardon me, seven days a week. <laughs> I tell you, the, the, the Lord has got to help me. <laughs> because I tell you, the devil has hit my brain in some kind of a fog today. Making it, for some reason, harder than normal to concentrate. But the point is that if we work seven days a week and we never take a day off, it hurts us physically. Our bodies were designed so that they operate most efficiently when we get a day a week off. Now there are times where we have to work more than six or seven days in a row because of a situation that we face. This might be especially true in a time of war or even in a time of disease. This past year, during this pandemic, we had doctors and nurses that hardly ever got a day off. In some way, somehow, God gave them the energy and the strength and the stamina to carry on. But basically, our bodies are designed so that you and I need desperately to have at least one day a week off. In other words, the Sabbath was made for our benefit, not just God saying, okay, you can't work on the Sabbath. We have been liberated from the law. Now we go down to verse 4. Now here we see, therefore, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. In order that we might bear fruit for God. God expects you and I to bear fruit for him. God expects me to bear fruit for him through the Sunshine USA Internet Ministry. And I feel sure that many, many people have been saved or rededicated through this ministry called Sunshine USA. How many? I don't know. I'm not a scorekeeper. <laughs> I tell people all the time, God didn't call me to keep score. God didn't call me to keep records. He called me to just simply preach the gospel and teach the Bible 
and that I am doing to the very best of my ability. Paul goes on to say, For when we lived according to the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, bearing fruit for death. But now, having died to what bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in a new light or in a new way of the Spirit and not in the way of the written code. And so we could see that we have been released from the law. In other words, we don't serve the Lord by keeping the law anymore. We serve the Lord in a new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Now I might add, by the way, that this new law has been written in our hearts. Not on tablets of stone, but it's been written on our hearts, in our hearts. And therefore, therefore, we find that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Now we find that God's law is holy. What then shall we say is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, we would not have been mindful of sin if not for the law. In other words, Paul is basically saying the same thing that I said earlier. The law, the law becomes like a schoolmaster telling us that we have sinned letting us know that we have sinned. It's kind of like instruments on your car. If you pay attention to the instruments on your car, your car will tell you when you need to put water in the radiator. It will remind you when you need to go see a mechanic. It will remind you when you need to put air in the tires. And basically that's what the purpose of the law nowadays is for us. For I would not have been aware of coveting if the law did not say do not covet. But sin, seizing its opportunity through the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, Paul says in verse 9, but when the commandment came, sin sprang up, or sin sprang to life, and I died. So I discovered that the very commandment that was meant to bring life actually brought death. Now, in other words, anybody that has ever tried keeping the law would have to tell you it's something you just can't do. It cannot be done. Sin 
is something that's going to happen in spite of, of our best efforts because as I've already said we have a sin nature we have a sin nature and when you got saved that sin nature was not eradicated when I got saved back in November of 1969 my sin nature was not eradicated I'll have to battle with my sin nature until the day I die or until the rapture takes place and you will too it says for sin seizing its opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death and then Paul talks about the struggle and the struggle that Paul talks about here is actually a struggle common to us all he says in Romans chapter 7 verse 13 did that which is good then became death to me certainly not but in order that sin might be exposed to sin it produced death in me through what was good so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful now we know that the law is spiritual but I am spiritual sold as a slave to sin I do not understand um, <laughs> let's back up again I tell you what my, my smartphone I don't know if this ever happens to you but my smartphone has a mind of its own sometimes I'm commentating out of one chapter and it wants to skip down several verses before I'm ready for it to do that and so we find that there is this struggle between what we desire to be and what we end up doing Paul says I want to do good but I end up doing bad I don't want to be bad but I end up doing good and vice versa it's a constant struggle and this is a struggle that you and I will have until the day that we die Paul says in verse 24 what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death thanks be unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with my mind I serve the law of God but with my flesh I serve the law of sin but I think we could see in Paul's life that he pretty much won the battle over sin even though Paul would be the first to tell you he was not perfect a lot of times when Paul gave his testimony he would describe himself believe it or not as the chief of sinners not only did he call himself a sinner he said I am the chief of sinners he says I have sinned more than 
all of you, some, some of you. Now, I'm sure that Paul was overemphasizing it a little bit. But, I mean, think about all those Christians earlier in his life he had put to death. But you see, as Christians, God doesn't remember the sins that we commit as much as he remembers the grace that we accepted when we accepted Christ as our Savior. And I can't emphasize this enough. God loves you so much. And, I say, and as I said earlier in this program, the grace of God is so much bigger than any sin you got. Amen. So why not take God up on his offer today? Well, that brings us to the end of Romans chapter 7. And um, next time we will be in Romans chapter 8. Amen. Now I hope you guys are enjoying this study just as much as I am. Um, I need you guys to pray for me. We're going to go into a, a time of prayer right now. Pray for my health. That the Lord will be with my mind. That he'll be with my throat. <laughs> my throat is a little bit scratchy today for some reason. So pray that God will take care of me mentally and physically. And I know that many of you have prayer needs. By the way, if you have any prayer requests, you can call them in at warrenlandis at yahoo.com. Warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And if you prefer, you can also contact me at warrenlandis at gmail.com. I've got two different email addresses. And you know, today, just about everybody needs an email address, even though I understand there are certainly some who don't have an email address. And, um, and so we need to understand that we do need to serve God and not be afraid to pray to Him every day. And not be afraid to share with other people what your prayer requests are. And I want you to know that you can feel free to contact this ministry and let us know what you need for us to pray about. And I'll see to it that it gets done. And if you like, I'll be glad to share your prayer request with other Christians listening to this program. Because there's something about knowing that Christians all over the world are praying for you and whatever it is you're going through. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer at this time. Dear Lord, I just want to pray that you will be with me as I try to minister for you here at Sunshine USA, as I try to preach the gospel and teach the Bible. Lord, I pray that you'll keep me in good enough health to do that. Lord, I pray for the needs of my radio listeners. Lord, we have radio listeners that need physical healing. We have radio listeners that need financial blessing and financial provision. And Lord, 
I also pray that you will let us know that you love us so much that indeed your grace is so much bigger than any sin we've got. And now, Lord, give us a good night's rest and help us to get up tomorrow ready to serve you another day. For it's all these things that we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of another program. Don't fret none. Because I'll be back next time. And again, I'll see you on Sunshine USA.